Welcome to the Filipino American Women Project, a podcast show that shares stories and life lessons told by individuals living or have lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify as female. I'm your host, Jen Amos, a fellow Filipino American woman, and I'm excited for you to join us. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Jen Amos here with the Filipino American Woman Project podcast show. And I have my lovely co-host with me once again, Nani Dominguez. Nani, welcome to the show. Thank you. We are super stoked today because I have been Instagram stalking this other account called This Filipino American Life Podcast. And we are very fortunate today to have Elaine Delales be able to join us. Now, before I have her chat, I want to go ahead and introduce her to you. She is a producer, a host, and oblivious nerd girl. She is a historic Filipino town-based writer, podcaster, and independent curator. She is happily trying to figure out the secret of life through writing, volunteering, and most importantly, avoiding cleaning her room, which I totally get that. Um, much to her husband, which is also this Filipino American Life producer, Mike's chagrin, her essays, podcasts, and other projects can be found at obliviousnerdgirl.com. Elaine, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Thank you for that lovely intro. Yeah, it's my absolute pleasure. So how did you hear about this project and what inspired you to share your story with us today? I heard about the project on Instagram, also because the Filipino American woman is very similar to this Filipino American life. <laughs> so <laughs> it caught my eye. So I saw it on Instagram and gave it a follow and was just curious and then subscribe to the podcast because I have a tendency of subscribing to like every podcast out there just to be like oh I know what this means to have subscription numbers so mm. I'll do it and then let the other show get those numbers oh that's that's so thoughtful of you I know yeah, I mean I know where it's like <laughs> <laughs> What was the second question? I totally forgot that. Oh, yeah, no worries. Um, so the second question was, why have you decided to join us today to share your story? Oh, I decided to join today because I, I like to just read. It's like outreach for TFL and also like to learn about your story as well um, as to like how this show got started and to learn like what your message is. I mean, it's always good to like be a fan of other shows and other Filipino Americans who are sharing our stories. Oh, absolutely. And I, I appreciate that. I really do. Uh, so a little background on the project itself. We actually started uh, around the same time uh, you guys started back in 2016. I was just kind of a one woman band at the time. And then in 2018, I went on a hiatus because I moved from California to Virginia Beach. But really, uh, when I came back, I, it made sense to me to do this in podcast form. Because one, when I would do Facebook Live, a lot of people were not ready yet to be in candid in front of a camera 
And then two, I just don't want to dress up all the time. Like I don't want to do anything. Mm. <laughs> I was like, it's just so much easier, you know, to call in. I actually got a, a new haircut today. I always had this side cut on my left side of my hair. And it's easy for me to hide because I put my hair on the left side. But I recently uh, got a side cut on the right side of my head too. So now I'm like, okay, I'm not sure if I'm ready to get that in front of camera yet. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's just really cool to just, you know, jump on to a call such as this and and just, you know, make it as if I'm chatting with girlfriends. It just so happens that it's being recorded and people are going to listen to this later. It's It just makes it much more convenient. And what we had found in doing this podcast show is that we have gotten a lot of engagement on Instagram. And uh, we mentioned this in a past show. But it seems like today, the way for a lot of us to get our education on Filipino culture and Filipino American culture is through Instagram. <laughs> there's so many accounts already, you know, such as your podcast show. And I know there's another one, Filipina on the Rise, and, and a couple other ones I can't think off the top of my head, or oh, entrepreneurship, where it's just all of us are taking this initiative to be like, if I can't find what I'm looking for, I'm going to create it. And so I just wanted to applaud you, Elaine, and, and your husband for creating your podcast and really just adding to our overall community. So thank you so much for that. And not just creating stuff, but supporting other people as well. I think that's really awesome. Oh, thanks. I do want to give credit to our credits due. The origin story of Tifa actually begins with Joe Bernardo. So Joe Bernardo is Joe Bernardo, Ryan Carpio, myself and producer Mike, my husband, we are all friends. Uh, mm. We've been friends for years. And we are a longtime community active in the Filipino American community as organizers or as city employees. So Joe had the idea to do something, to do a podcast, because he and Ryan used to work in the, the mayor's office and they would talk all the time. Wow. And they would chit chat about random subjects that apply to like Filipino American life. Joe actually had, has a PhD in history. And at one point, he realized like he didn't want to go be a professor. He didn't want to do the assistant professor, like academic rat race that it is. So mm -hmm. he segued into coming back to LA, working for the city and working with Ryan in the mayor's office. And he was like, well, I want to do something that's like uses my education in some way. And I told him, well, just write. Like you're a good writer. You had to write a dissertation. Mm. Uh, <laughs> And so just write. And then he was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he was like, but writing's hard. <laughs> and I laughed because I know exactly what he means because I completely agree writing is very hard. And I identify as a writer as well. So I why I'm like, no, dude, I totally get you. Mm -hmm. like, it's so much easier. And so his, his idea was let's record the conversations that I have with Ryan. And then he approached me because I actually had had two podcasts in the past. Mm. One was called uh, Oblivious Nerd Girls Great Idea, which was a podcast that recapped Babysitter's Club books because I loved the Babysitter's Club books and I wanted to like read them as an adult and like talk about them in my 30-year-old framework or 30-something framework instead of being a kid. And I did that like totally in GarageBand and sound quality was terrible. And so I quit doing that because it was just me. That's mm -hmm. a lot of work. And then I did another one called Lessons from Lola, which was oral history project that I recorded, which was just like stories about my grandmother that I could give to like future generations in my family. So 
I had that experience, like that early nascent experience. And Joe approached me to see if I'd be interested. And I said, sure. And it also turns out like my husband is an electronics hoarder. So he actually <laughs> had all the equipment that was needed yes. to do a podcast. Like we had a soundboard. We had a soundboard with a recorder. We just had it in our house. And we had like, wow. we had like Rhodes mics and other things. So it just worked out that like the four of us, we became like a, Filipino American Voltron in Los Angeles to do this podcast. That's where I really, I truly want to like give props to like where the origin really comes from. Like this T-Fell, we all work on it and it's our baby, but I do want to give it like that, that Joe was the one who really originated this, the, our story. Yeah, well, shout out to Joe. If you're listening to this, thank you for making TFAL possible because it led us to chatting with Elaine today. <laughs> so thank you, Joe. Yeah, thanks, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I want to take a moment here to pause and uh, check in with Nani. Nani, is there anything you want to add to the conversation? Yeah, I heard you actually, Elaine, tell that story about how the TFAL podcast got started on your last episode where you guys were on the panel at Comic-Con. And I just think that it's really cool that we get to live in a time where we have these different platforms. Like for you, you like to express yourself through writing. He likes to express himself through talking and doing podcasts. So for the future generations to come who are all going to be on these platforms looking for this information, it's kind of it's cool that we get to curate that and provide that. And yeah, I think I, my whole introduction to this world started with the TFAL podcast. And that's kind of how I branched out and found all these other different, not just podcasts, but Instagram pages and, and blogs and, and other things. So it's been definitely kind of a hub for the social media world connection in um, the Filipino American communities. Cool. That's awesome. I'm sure you always appreciate it when you get feedback about your show. <laughs> I'm always curious because I feel like I work like we all work in like a bubble. And like to to be yeah. honest, like when I put when we put things out, I'm like, oh, I wonder if anybody will hear this or if anybody will see this. And I am surprised when people give feedback and say like I heard that show it was really and they give me feedback on each episode or certain episodes because like in my head I always I'm like such a fatalist where I'm like no one's gonna listen to this like I don't care <laughs> like well I'll say whatever I want because no one will hear it and then like months later someone will be like oh yeah I remember this and I'm like how do you know that story that's like something <laughs> personal to me they're like, yeah, it was on the show. You forgot and that I'm was like, recorded. <laughs> oh, I, I, bet you, I, I talked about that. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. I, I also love that your show covers an array of things. Uh, with the Filipino American Woman Project, we are primarily focused on individuals who identify as Filipino American women and have like life lessons uh, that they want to share. It's just crazy because I actually started it like for self healing. You know, I was in a place where. I wanted to kind of rewrite my story and my relationship with other Filipino American women. Um, I was actually bullied by <laughs> Filipino American women back in middle school. And uh, it just kind of carried through uh, throughout the years. And I got to this point where no matter how involved I was in the community, uh, in the Filipino community, I felt like something was missing. And so for me, this was more of a healing project. And to to hear that 
other people enjoy it as well and they find healing in it. Like I know, I think after the first uh, episode or so, you know, one of the best feedback I got was Nani because she wanted to be a, she wanted to help out in any way. And I was like, why don't you just go host with me? And, you know, <laughs> like before you know it, we're doing this together and it's, it's just been, you know, that's just awesome feedback, like not just to have listeners, but to have people participate. So I want to thank you, Nani, for that and uh, joining me on the show. Yeah, no, it's my, my pleasure. It's also, I think we're all here, whether we are co-hosting or producing or just listening we're all here for that same reason, you know, to try and heal ourselves. And so no matter what direction we come from, have the same intention. For sure. And Jed, I totally identify with that as well, because I was bullied in middle school in junior high. And like, for the longest time, it like turned me off on Mm. like, on Filipinos. But like, it's weird to be turned off by Filipinos when all your you have in your community in your life is like Filipinos so like in because in junior high like I was basically like I was bullied by like a group of girls or like kicked out of the of a group of girls and it's like your typical like junior high bullshit that like happens and like that trauma that happens to you when you're like 12 13 like it never leaves and that's Mm. something that you always end up like trying to like heal from and then work towards and then like it was, and where I went to school, like every, it was like 60, 40 Filipino, Latino. So like my social circles were still going to be brown girls. Like it's always going to be some form of brown girl that I would have to like interact with. Mm. Um, and it's just like, are your parents speaking the same language at home as mine? Maybe not. But like at the same token, like I couldn't turn away from what that meant to be like traditionally Filipino in the nineties. And so like, There are certain facets that I know, like, in my lane, like, I chose different paths, like, instead of being, like, super into makeup or, like, shoplifting makeup and clothes, like, I went the other way and was, like, into, like, thrifting. And I still, like, makeup and clothes, but, like, it's, like, a different side. Like, I was really into, like, 40s pinup type things. Mm -hmm. And, like, I everything I wore looked like it was from the 1940s, 50s, which is funny because, like, that was like my aesthetic for when I got married. I wore like dress with a petticoat and it was short nice. and like all these things. <laughs> so it's really funny, like the influences that happened to you at such an early age. But the podcast itself, like I do know in Tifa, like my favorite episode personally is the mental health one. And that's the second episode we ever did. We had our friend Ernie, who is a social worker share what it's like to be like somebody who works in the mental health industry in the mental health field and the ironic thing is like I really wanted my cousin to be on that show but she was busy because my Atalea is a clinical psychologist so she's Filipino American she speaks Tagalog and I think a little bit of Ilocano and she works with at-risk youth so in Los mm-hmm. Angeles she was like a unicorn and I feel like she's a unicorn in general, like all of those checks of those boxes. And I remember like, I wanted to talk to her because I was like, Ate, like no one ever talks about mental health. And when I was going through my issues in grad school, she was the first one that told me like, my first year in grad school, she's like, Elaine, I think you need to go to the psychology services that are at your school because every school has one. And I kept telling her like, no, 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 I don't, I don't feel like I should, like, I'm okay. Like, I'm just stressed, you know, like, I'll be fine. And she's like, I really think you should. I never did. And then my second year, mm. like, something happened where I was really broken. And I just, I listened to her advice and I went. 
and I didn't realize how important it was to go to therapy. I was very open on our episode about my journey with mental health and how like since then, like over the, that was like in 2007, like in the past like 12 years, like I've been in and out of talk therapy um, several times, just like I have like check-ins here and there when I feel like I need to fine tune my mental health. But I do acknowledge like it is something that like we all need to address and destigmatize because so many of so much of our community is like sweep it under the rug. Don't talk about mm-hmm. it. But, right. You know. Uh, everything you said just completely resonated with me. I had a couple of weeks ago, I had been recently diagnosed with mild depression. And actually today, everyone, I went to my first therapy session. <laughs> oh, <laughs> How did yeah. it go? <laughs> it, it was really cool. So, you know, just a little back, just like what you said, Elaine, one thing that the therapist brought up to me uh, today, as I was kind of telling her my life is that I grew up having to essentially be self-efficient. Every time I would try to open up, I would either get dismissed, ignored or minimized. And so a lot of my upbringing was, was trying to figure out things on my own. So I did a lot of uh, self-diagnosing and self-therapy. And it's only really this year where I started to uh, see value in professional help because I just thought if I could figure it out myself, it's fine. Like that's what I've always done my entire life. But I had physical therapy for the first time this year too. And it, it got me to see like the value in in hiring people who can see something that you're not seeing. And so it was really cool talking to the therapist today. I really like her and really just bring that up. Like she, she said, like, you've been trying to do this all on your own. And, and it sounds like you're doing a lot of healthy things, but it also sounds like you need someone uh, on your side to, to keep doing good things and focus on doing good things uh, for yourself, like healthy decisions. So uh, it's so crazy. I feel like like since I started podcasting, which was like a month ago, it's like every everyone talks about mental health and I love it. Like, I just feel like something about the podcasting world makes it such a safe place to talk about it. So thank you, Elaine, for being so transparent about that. I'm going to have to go to your go back to that episode on your show to listen to that. And And I know even on our show here, we've had one or two people talk about mental health and let's keep it going. Like I, I almost want to rename the show to like mental health for Filipinos because <laughs> essentially that's what we're doing is all this self-healing is about tending to those wounds that we had growing up. Like all those times where we had to be silent because that was that's how we had to survive. That's how our parents survived. So that's what we had to do. But now we're in a place where we can go back and rescue our younger selves essentially and say what you went through. I'm, I'm sorry you went through that and I'm here for you now and we're going to get through this together. I just think it's it's so beautiful and I'm I'm glad that we opened up our show with this conversation. Oh yeah, totally. And I'm going to recommend like I always sing this book's praises. I talk about it all the time. And in fact, my last uh, round of therapy, I mentioned to my therapist I was reading this book and she was like, "I'm going to pick this up." And then she's like, "The book is amazing." So the book is called The Body Keeps the Score. Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma. And it's by Bessel A. Vanderkoek. And you can find it on like anywhere, like Amazon, Barnes, all those good things. It talks about how the body keeps the score. Like everybody inherently, we hold on to our trauma. And like, for me, I know it's in my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, I hold everything there. I'm very tight there. I frequent Korean spas and when I would go get a massage from the Korean lady and like literally she's walking on my back 
it's an hour long session. And when I'm done, she yelled at me. She was like, back so stiff. And she slapped oh. my shoulders. Oh. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know what, but you've been like working and massaging all these things out. And she was just like, she just looked at me like, I cannot believe I've been working on you for an hour. But that mm. is like, when I got that massage, I wasn't in any sort of therapy and I was also in a very bad place. Mm-hmm. So it's very revealing as to like what happens to our bodies when we are like not well. And that's mm. not just physically unwell, but like emotionally and right. mentally unwell. Right. That manifests itself physically if, if you don't take care of it or if you don't address it. Yes. One of my friends was an acupuncturist and I went to, I had an appointment with her for like the first time years ago. And I remember I was telling her like, I'm fine. I'm fine. (laughs) And she's like, you're telling me you're fine, but your body is telling me otherwise. And so Mm -hmm. it's, it's so crazy. I I think uh, I'll definitely look that book up and add it to the show notes for anyone that is uh, interested in learning more about that. So I appreciate you sharing that Elaine. Totally. Yeah. I want to go ahead and uh, uh, shift gears now and uh, get to know a little bit more about you, Elaine. I know we already talked a lot, but doesn't hurt to learn more. You know, this show is really dedicated to individuals who live in America or have lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify as a female. And so I'd love to hear why you identify as a Filipino American woman today. Well, I am a cisgendered woman, so that's one. And my parents are from the Philippines, and I was born in the States. Geographically and simplistic reasons, is that's how I identify as a Filipino-American woman. All right, Jen Amos here, jumping into the middle of our show, as I always do, to remind you why this show is possible. So, you know at the end of every episode, I tend to say, if you didn't catch our guest contact info, don't worry, we'll have those in the show notes. Check them out. I work so hard on them. You're welcome. Well, it's been brought to my attention that our show notes are not as easy to find as I thought, which is why starting summer 2020, the Filipino American Woman Project is proud to be partnering with Captivate, the world's only growth-oriented podcast host. Captivate is created for independent podcasters, designed from day one to help you to focus on audience growth and the expansion of your audio influence. One way that Captivate makes our lives easier as independent podcasters is by taking the guesswork out of making a website for your show. That's right, a website for your show. So listeners, starting summer 2020, finding our show notes will be so much easier. All thanks to Captivate. You're welcome, as always. If you're about to start podcasting or are getting burnt out from all the extra work of producing one, like building a website, consider a seven-day free trial. That's right, free with Captivate by visiting thephilamwoman.com. That's the Philam, short for Filipino American Woman.com. Or, you know, check out our show notes in the meantime, which is in the details section of each episode. Once again, you can visit thephilamwoman.com or visit the details section of this episode. My origin story in myself is that my mother was pregnant with me in the Philippines and they didn't immigrate to the States until she was very further along. Oh I want to say like she, she might've been like eight months pregnant. <laughs> like it was the eighties wow. and people traveled when you weren't supposed to travel in the Philippines. My mom was actually, um, she was spot bleeding throughout the pregnancy and she was on the drug like 
I don't know how to pronounce it, but I just know that it was the drug that gave children, like gave babies what looked like lobster hands. It caused deformities in children and babies. Oh my gosh. And, oh my and gosh. Um, when my parents arrived to America and my mom checked in with a doctor, the doctor looked at my parents like she was crazy that the doctor in the Philippines had prescribed that to her. And so when I was born, they were all happy that I had all my fingers and toes and I didn't have lobster hands. But like, that was, I always thought like, holy crap, like, I can't believe that was my story. But like, even more complicated than that is that my parents at the time were living in Mindanao in Osamis. And like, my parents actually escaped a movie theater bombing when my mother was pregnant, because it was summer, I guess, because I'm a September baby. So it must have been like August or July. It was very hot. The only things that have air conditioning that's the time are movie theaters. You're always going to have AC. And so my mom and dad went to a movie and my dad had seen somebody who looked really shifty and like was really like, didn't look right. Like, and you know, now we have those things like if you see something, say something. And so my dad gets had to like an early sense and he was like to my mom, like, we need to get out of here. Let's leave let's leave and my mom's really stubborn and she's like no there's air conditioning I wouldn't leave <laughs> but my dad's like no we're gonna leave so my dad left and then it turns out there had been a plan for a series of bombings in movie theaters that day and the movie theater they were in the person took a pause and couldn't go through with it so their movie theater did not explode and so when my wow. dad tells me that, and I think like that is the times that my parents lived in, I'm like, oh, no wonder mom was flat bleeding the whole time, you know? And I also think, oh, no wonder like I was born in such a traumatic fashion because my parents probably were going through all of this worry the entire time. And then they come to this new country. My Lola actually didn't want them to move, didn't want my parents to fly because they thought that my mom would give birth to me on the plane. And then she was like, she, the baby will have no country because she thought I would be born in like international airspace, mm. which to me, I thought like, wow. oh, how cool would that have been? Like what, what citizenship <laughs> would I have gotten? But ultimately at the end, my parents made it to America and like they immigrated to California and I was born in beautiful Sun Valley, California, which I say with a lot of sarcasm <laughs> because it's not <laughs> that beautiful. And my mom actually she crossed the street because my parents lived in an apartment building across the street from the hospital. And my Atikari actually helped her walk across the street to give birth to me. That's my origin story. (laughs) (laughs) That is okay. So I, I heard a similar story from Nicole Cruz. We interviewed her in the last episode where her mom uh, flew while she was in her third trimester. And once, you know, once she landed and, you know, gave birth to Nicole, that's how she would, how she became an American citizen. I'm wondering if that's a very common thing. Would you know about that? I mean, I can only conjecture, but like I'm an 80s baby and my parents left the Philippines during in the midst of martial law. And so there was a lot of things happening at play politically with like the upper middle class in the Philippines of folks being like, they see the writing on the wall, people are getting salvaged by the Marcos era. Let's just leave. And um, Mm. my family, my family was in that boat. Like my family was like, we see the writing on the wall, opportunities are in the States, let's go. My uncle and aunt were the first to come to this country. My uncle was an engineer for 
following at the time. And then uh, he was in Seattle and my aunt was a nurse and she was in Tennessee. And ultimately they both moved to California to Los Angeles, to the San Fernando Valley. And that is how the rest of my family ended up here in America because my uncle and aunt were like, life is great here. We have X, Y, and Z things. Our family is here. And my Lolo and Lola were like, let's just move. Everybody make, make the way to America. And it took 30 years, but most of my family is now here in the States. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. And I know that story is not unusual. Like I know that story is a story that other generations of Filipinos share. Even if it's common, it's just still a really good reminder of where we came from and why we have so many things to unpack in our adult lives. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I definitely agree with everything that Elaine said. I mean, I don't know that many details about how my family all kind of got here, but I know that when my dad was a kid, <laughs> probably about half of them were over there. And now that he's an adult and his kids are grown and everything, we don't really have anyone from uh, my grandma's side mm -hmm. over there. And I kind of am just like, well, why, you know, <laughs> not why I understand why, but uh, I'm going there. I don't know if I told you this, Jen, but I officially booked my ticket for my first trip there. So <gasps> I'm gonna go. I know I'm so excited oh uh, in January, but I'm like trying to round up everyone to, to meet while I'm there, you know? Yeah. Like, well, there's not really too many people left over there. I've still got like my grandpa's family, but on my grandma's side, everyone's pretty much here. Wow. Most of my family are still in the Philippines. I think like 90% of them are still there. So that's, oh, I mean, nice. good, good for your family that they all, you know, migrated over here and migrated successfully uh, is what it sounds like. I think you're still going to have a blast. <laughs> even if <there's> <laughs> I know I will. <laughs> I'm going to be there for like three weeks. <laughs> oh man. I I'm so excited for you and I'm sure you'll document that and, and everything oh, yeah. in, in your blog for sure. So that's really exciting. Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead, Elaine, and fast forward to today. If people are getting to know you for the first time, why don't you share a little snapshot of your life, uh, mainly what keeps you busy and most excited about life nowadays? Oh, that's a good question. Well, what keeps me busy is definitely my friends and family, because they always are going to keep me busy, <laughs> uh, work. So my day job is that I work at UCLA. Uh, I'm an advisor here. So nice. that's one thing. Oh, that's cool. um, and then TFL, so this is the American Life, which is like, I think podcasting is always, it's like everyone's side business, everyone who has a podcast, because it keeps you very, very busy. And so managing like what our show content will be and then finding stuff to post on Instagram, because I pretty much, I do most of the Instagram and then Joe handles most of Facebook, but we occasionally post on either platform. And then Twitter is like this no man's land of like whoever wants to handle it. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was like really more like responding to people because both of us are like, we're too busy on Facebook or Instagram. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and then um, really like engaging with what people 
it's like really interesting to see like what uh, is on the pulse of everyone's mind at the moment. Since I work in education, I'm always like, what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? So like, mm-hmm. is it because we're posting about it that folks are talking about it? Or were folks talking about it and then we post it? So that's always like the weird thing that I'm always thinking about and like trying to put out there. And also like using our platforms for like our messaging because all of us really believe in like equity and like justice. And like, so we're always trying to work towards like the betterment of Filipino American community. Because like in our backgrounds, like I used to work for a nonprofit called Philam Arts, which was an mm-hmm. arts organization. And so I've always had like an arts background and I've worked towards bringing Filipino American arts and culture to Los Angeles. And I do that now through my work through Visual Communications, which is a, a Asian American film and TV nonprofit that is committed to telling Asian Pacific Islander stories. Mike, you was the, on the steering committee for the Justice for Filipino-American Veterans for several years. And when he worked at Search to Involve Filipino-Americans, he founded something called Sessions Los Angeles, which was a, it's a music program. It's a music after-school music program that teaches hip-hop to youth. So mm. it was like through DJing, through creating your own beats, through writing your own lyrics, all those things. It is, has since moved from SIPA. It's now at a different nonprofit. And then Joe uh, also does things. He's on the board for Filipino Workers Center. And then Ryan is active with the Democratic Party, I believe, out here. I think that was the last thing he was doing, but he also is just very busy with work. Like, so it's just interesting how, like, all of us have, we have our nine to five, which is whatever it is. And then we have our commitment to TFL, which is what we do. But then we also have a tangent of that is our commitment to our community in some way. That is what keeps me quite busy. Yeah, I I love how like your life essentially revolves around the Filipino community. And I commend you so much for that. And, you know, talking a little bit about how we were both bullied (laughs) back in middle school. I've always felt like I've been in and out of the community uh, because of that experience. But I, you know, I hope that with this show, it's it's my it's my commitment to give back uh, to our community. But I love hearing that you're so immersed in it, and uh, really thank you for that because it, it takes a commitment. You know, I, I think our community in general is pretty pretty broken, and it can it can be nasty sometimes. But you know, your commitment to it is uh, admirable. So cool, Elaine. Awesome. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's also like we're ba- like the four of us are very lucky. We live in a place that or there is a critical mass of Filipinos where like, this type of organizing can be said. I always think like I am very blessed that that's there because somebody who's in like Nebraska or like Alabama or Mississippi, like they may not have this type of opportunity or like this type of community to bounce off of you know so uh, I do acknowledge that like even though there are it's ups and downs and it's issues it's very much like I think folks just should also acknowledge the privilege of being able to interact in these like heavily Filipino populated spaces. I think that I've been trying to also be more involved in the community and giving back here in the Bay Area. And it's a completely different experience than doing this podcast or, you know, being on in the Instagram community online, Um, you know, doing things in person and kind of joining those types of groups can be intimidating sometimes for those of us who have social anxiety real bad. 
Um, mm-hmm. But like you said, Elaine, we have to all remember that it really is a, a privilege to be able to do that and to be able to connect and yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I do have that social anxiety part, but um, <laughs> I would I would like to recommend CBD is very helpful for that. And yes. if you are in California, <laughs> it is very legal, so you can do all. Oh things. yes, I'm I'm well well versed in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, part of uh, when my doctor first uh, issued me or prescribed me antidepressants, it was like a low dosage, so I had decided to kind of avoid it altogether and just do CBD oil first. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's legal here in Virginia, but it's been working pretty well so far. I will say that. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly, yeah, I would continue. I mean, because I'm a very, I'm a proponent of it. I had a card at one point and then it became like legal in California. So what was the point other than like savings on tax, but whatever it is what it is. Um, but right. CBD, honestly, it very much saves me, especially with my anxiety. And just with, in the climate that we live in and then being in crowds, it is like really hard for me at times because I'm always like on edge. And like, to be fair, mm-hmm. like finding CBD as a way to like combat that has saved me like so much anguish. Oh, totally. that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's been the only way that I've been able to even somewhat control my anxiety. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an essential part of my daily routine at this point in life. And I won't uh, go too much into that because just in case my dad ever listens to this, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. I, I'm on no, I get it. I feel you on that. I feel you on that. <laughs> it's medicinal, everyone. No. <laughs> um, no totally. Yeah. And I uh, argument ready. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, I got my facts. I got my paper. I got my notes. I got everything to defend myself. No, I love it. Yeah. And this is why I am loving podcasting so far because I don't, I don't know if I have social anxiety, but I can only be around people for so long uh, before I have to, you know, kind of like recharge and stuff. And what I like about this is that I can still, you know, be connected with the community, but at my own pace and at my own time and my own comfort level. And, and I think that's why it's so beautiful that there's so many ways to get involved in the community today, you know, even if you choose to pick your own, um, because, you know, we all are, I mean, although we all come from the same motherland, we're all really different and uh, really eclectic. And it's just so great that we live in a country where we can, we have so many different outlets and different options and ways to express ourselves. So I, uh, so I think it's, it's really, really, really awesome. Well, I'm excited because we get to enter into my favorite part of the interview, which is really sharing a, a life lesson and a story that had led to that life lesson. In case anyone is listening for the first time, one of our long-term goals with the Filipino American Woman Project is to publish a book, kind of like the chicken soup for the teenage soul, to collect <laughs> uh, stories uh, told by the Filipino American women, uh, along with uh, some life lessons that we can share so that it can be this really really cool coffee table book that we can just have at your disposal. And you're kind of like, oh, what's a good lesson to learn today? So with that said, Elaine, uh, when when I had asked you this question, what's the biggest life lesson you learned that you want to share on the show? You said that a feeling is not a solid. And I'd love for you to elaborate on what that means and what part of your life, what story led you to that big life lesson? I feel like the episode is going to be all about mental health. 
because <laughs> that's cause okay. <laughs> I, I, I got that phrase, that mantra from my therapist. The last time I was in therapy, I had started in June, and then I was doing really well, according to my therapist, and she had actually asked me, so when do you want to do an exit with me? Which floored me to death because I didn't know therapists would actually want to end their relationship with their clients because I was like, but I'm your income. <laughs> and, but she was just like, no, I don't want to take your money if you don't need this help. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. You're the best therapist ever. And so mm-hmm. in my last few weeks, my sessions, she was like, okay, so what tools are you going to use when you feel panicked, when you feel anxious, that you can bring you back to being centered? And then I was just thinking about things and recollecting. And then she said the phrase to me, remember, a feeling is not a solid. And mm-hmm. I remember like, so when she said those words, I literally was like, I have to write this down. That is my new mantra. I need to remember that. Like, that's what I'm going to hold on to when I'm in that, like, scared and worried place. I go there very often because I am a very anxious person. Um, I attribute it to being a Virgo. I lean into that astrology, and I I am, like, a stereotypical worrier Virgo, I like logistics maven, I will tell you what to do, but then never listen to my own instructions, because why would I do that? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, but um, a feeling is not a solid has saved me. It's like when my parents, like when my mom freaks out, she prays a rosary or she does something like my family Mm. does that. Mm -hmm. And so like, this is six words. So that's a lot shorter than a complete rosary (laughs) because a rosary takes like half an hour or an hour sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so this prayer, this mantra to me keeps me grounded and helps me move forward. And really like, it's a, it's a great reminder that when you're in the muck, when you're in the mire, when work is beating you down, when relationships are beating you down, when interpersonal issues that are happening in anywhere in your life are beating you down, that that feeling is not a solid. Like eventually you will move through it and you'll get to a good place. Mm. So after, after my doctor had diagnosed me with mild depression, I was sort of in denial about it for, for a while until I started to study more of like symptoms and stuff. And just like two days ago, even, even though I was feeling really awesome with uh, like CBD oil and stuff like that, I just really, I was just in this funk. Uh, it was like late at night. It's usually nighttime when I tend to feel the most depressed. And in case anyone's wondering, it's why I like to do these podcast shows at night for me in Eastern time, because I, I'm trying to like work through that or rechannel that energy. But just a couple, couple of days ago, I was just in this funk and I just felt so, so hopeless. And I went, I, I told my husband, like we were in bed and um, I, I just had to say like, honey, I'm just really sad right now. And, and then my my eyes started to well up because it was really hard for me to say that to him. And uh, it was just really nice because he just held my hand and, and let me work through it. And I knew, I, I mean, luckily I got to a place where I knew that feeling kind of what you said is not a solid, like it didn't define me, but I had to, I knew I still had to go through it. And I was just really grateful that, you know, my husband was there with me to just to go through that feeling. So I love that mantra. And I think that's something I will carry with me as well, because feelings aren't feelings are not a solid. (laughs) Absolutely. 
I just wanted to kind of piggyback on that statement of a feeling is not a solid. And Jen, you kind of just touched on it too, that a feeling also doesn't define you and that temporary, it will go away. And in the thick of things that can be really, really hard to remember, you know, when you look around and all you see is this, this problem looming over you, but it's really important to remember that. And I think that's a really good mantra to have when shit hits the fan and you do start freaking out. It's like, you don't have to think of some kind of game plan and action plan on how you're going to get yourself back centered. You just say that and it kind of encompasses all of that. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. (laughs) Elaine, I appreciate you uh, sharing that uh, as well as joining us today to really touch upon mental health. I don't think I could have enough of it. I think the more we can normalize these conversations, the more people can talk about it and not be ashamed about it and get help or even just find a community such as ours or such as yours where they can find comfort in people who are going through uh, similar struggles. So so with that said, uh, Elaine, thank you so much for being on the show. If anyone wants to get a hold of you and learn more about what you're doing and your projects and everything, how can they do that? Sure. You can find me at TFAL Podcast. So that's at T-F-A-L-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. If you DM us there, I, I get all those things and I clear through them. You can also tweet at us if that's where you're at. Uh, we're there. And then we're This Filipino American Life on Facebook. And ThisFilipinoAmericanLife.com is our website. And ThisFilipinoAmericanLife at gmail.com is our email address. And we also have a phone number if folks want to call. It's 805-394-TFAL. So that's 805-394-8325. Awesome. And if you did not catch that, listeners, that'll be included in the show notes. (laughs) Do you have any closing thoughts for us, Elaine? I just want to say thank you so much for letting me be on your podcast and sharing my story and sharing PTFL's story. And I really appreciate what you all are doing and seeing that like, we aren't alone in this like podcast family. And so it's cool that we can all like collaborate and be with each other and build together. I agree. Let's all heal together. Awesome. Well, uh, listeners, if this show resonated with you in any way, uh, you can visit our show notes to see how you can leave a voice message for us um, or get a hold of us. And as I mentioned, if you want to get a hold of Elaine, that'll be included in the show notes as well. Elaine and Nani, I want to thank you both so much for being on this show. And also to our live listeners, a shout out to Bernadette. <laughs> She's uh, on here listening to us. Thank you everyone so much for listening. And we will see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. (laughs) And there you have it, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe if you'd like to hear more stories and life lessons told by the Filipino American woman. If you're interested in sharing your story, please contact us at thefilipinoamericanwoman at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at thefilipinoamericanwoman. Until next time.